Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pop Culture Club Podcast. And I've got another special episode in store for you here. I am Jim Laskowski, of course. Well, as a storm is brewing outside, I'm putting the finishing touches on an interview with one of my all-time favorite bands, which hopefully you're about to hear. And, you know, after revisiting their discography, they might be in my top five. I I know that, uh, well, they're considered and dubbed as slow core, if you want to... I don't know, but that's a genre that... Um, I don't think Alan would get behind. And from what I've read, that that sort of label is not really embraced. Uh, and yet it's hard to pigeonhole the band and say, like, okay, they're indie rock or they're alternative or um, any of those, you know, uh, sub-genres. I just, I just consider them to be minimal and simple, but extremely graceful in the kinds of uh, mood pieces they've, they create. Like they just, they, they set a tone um, with each record. Um, you know, oftentimes they, they can detour a little bit with maybe something a little more distorted or loud um, and full of dynamics. But for the most part, they they've built their niche and every now and then they might break away from that. Even their last record was almost hinged or twinged with some country elements, I thought. But uh, country pop, in a way. I'm sorry, I'm going off uh, tangent here, but I'm talking about the band Low, in case you didn't see the title. <laughs> and I had the tremendous pleasure of speaking with Alan, and uh, who, along with his wife Mimi, they have written songs and so many records over the years that I constantly go back to. And I decided to open up this episode with a quick clip of one of my favorite songs of theirs from the record, Secret Name. Uh, the song is called Two Step. Uh, it's, it's really hard for me to pin down which record is my favorite, since pretty much from Secret Name on, I've loved their work. And it's also hard for me to put into words what their music has meant to me. Um... You know, and it's just sing it's a singular sound, one of the most original bands, and one of those bands that you need to see live too to um get the full experience. So I often recommend the Great Destroyer for beginners, since that's possibly their most accessible record. It's a beautiful record. Uh but Things We Lost in the Fire, that's uh the record from two thousand one, is what got me hooked. Um, particularly the song Sunflower, which, I don't know, there's just something about the simplicity of that song that really um, turned me into a fan for life with this band. And each record, um, like I said, from Secret Name On, I've loved. And hopefully uh, you'll get some insight to the songwriting process, even if you've never heard of Low. I think you're going to enjoy this interview with Alan because he's, I mean, he is one of the most incredible songwriters out there today. And he might be a little soft-spoken, but at the same time, he's very open and honest and sincere in a way that uh, made me feel very comfortable because that's kind of how I like to approach my podcasting. So 
you know, like I said, the reason why I wanted to sit down and talk with Alan was to learn more about his songwriting process, which interests me. But it's also to learn more about their new record, which will be out next month on September 11th, and it's titled Ones and Sixes. So please, please, please go to their website, pre-order it. I think you're going to be very, very happy with it. There's a link um, in the show notes to the record, to their website. I think you're going to dig it, whether you're a huge fan like me or not. Just give them a try. Uh, You can even check out their band camp. Uh, There's two singles out and about that you can hear. And I've ended the show, not with my rambling voice, but with uh, one of their new singles, which I love. So, uh, yeah, stick around after the interview to hear one of their newest songs. So, um, yeah, I, and, and towards the end of this interview, I, I, I kind of had to tell Alan how his music, you know, how Lowe's music has helped me. Um, and, you know, his reaction was something special. I think he was taken aback, but hopefully in a good way. Um, yeah, so, okay, enough of yet another long intro here. I present to you a wonderful half-hour discussion with Alan Sparhawk of the band Low, and there will be more interviews to come that I can't wait to share with you. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Please visit popcultureclubpodcast.com or directorsclubpodcast.com for updates and upcoming episodes. And now, here's Alan from the band Low. than 20 uh, rather productive years, Lowe has been creating um, melodic, minimalist mood pieces that tell a story. I first discovered them in 2001 when a friend recommended to me an album called Things We Lost in the Fire, and since then, Lowe has been one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, a huge reason why my anticipation for any new low record is to uh, is the opportunity to see them live for um, many reasons. Uh, each and every time they've done something memorable and distinctive, transforming what's on record into something transcendent live. So it is my absolute pleasure to welcome one of the great songwriters of the band, Mr. Alan Sparhawk. Hi, Alan. Oh wow! Thank you. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sure you can hear my blessing. <laughs> Thank you. It's very nice. Been a huge fan for 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 a very long time, and I've seen the band many times in Chicago. So. Oh right. Uh, okay. Cool. I was just I was just gonna ask where you saw us usually. Cool. Oh, yeah. 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 It's a good town, and yeah. I've seen I I see you yeah. recorded here uh, a few times too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out Chicago is a yeah we, we work uh, quite a bit. Yeah. So I'd like to go uh behind the scenes and get some perspective for the listeners on uh on uh I mean not so much the inception but maybe just the songwriting process. Thinking back to when Lowe first came into fruition and 
you know, how the songwriting process began and if it's changed at all today since you collaborate with your wife Mimi. Is it a matter of writing music together or separately and then joining forces or does it vary from song to song? Um, I don't know. I remember, I remember when we started, when we started the band, I, I had been in another band that would write stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in that, in that band, I, I played, that, that band had a singer. So, so the singer usually wrote the lyrics and I, I had written a few songs and came up with the music for a few songs for, with that band. So I had a little bit of experience with that, but, when we when we started, you know, well, we started kind of getting together and trying some things out and messing with this idea. It was sort of like kind of a realization, like, well, I, I guess someone's going to have to write songs here. So I I don't know. I kind of just jumped in and gave it a try. You know, um, I remember, like, as a kid, maybe 13 or 14, when I was first learning the guitar, maybe maybe writing a, a couple of silly, real simple songs, you know, like, you know, just the phrase over a couple chords or something like that, and kind of, kind of getting, getting, you know, it, I, I guess I had experienced that a little bit, but I, it wasn't something that I developed, you know, mm-hmm. and for years. And then when we started the band, I guess, and I was like, okay, well, I'll start writing songs. And, and yeah, writing is, even now, it, it's sort of the same process. You, you sit down, usually, I mean, I, years ago, you know, when, when I was young, I sort of kind of told myself, you know, okay, I want to play the guitar every day. You know, and I figured that would be a good step, you know, and I liked the guitar. I wanted to practice, I wanted to learn, learn it. So I thought, well, you know, I had a goal to play it every day. And what ends up happening and happening when you play every day is you just kind of, you fumble around stuff. I guess it depends on who you are. I mean, some people probably sit down and go through books and learn tunes and stuff, but most of the time I'm just kind of fumbling around with chords and trying things and sometimes there'll be a little combination of chords that'll bring a melody to your head and you can come up with something or maybe a word or two will fall into place, you know, and that, that'll sort of be the the initial piece that, you know, if there's some light there, I always kind of, sometimes certain ideas will have, it's almost like you can feel the whole rest of the song there with it too, but you have to you kind of basically spend you, your your work is sort of trying to finding those re- the rest of those pieces and and trying to get it together to make sense and stuff. But um, I don't know. Yeah, you start out with with nothing and fragments, and you try to make them work together. Sometimes it's very quick. You know, sometimes you can write a whole song in five or ten minutes. You know, and that that's great. But but most of them, most of them. Or, uh, ideas that take take a while to finish, and sometimes years. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Working with Nim, he, I don't know. As close as we are, and as much as you know, the end product usually is, you know, ideally is very much something that, that's coming from from all of us. Um, I don't know. Usually we write separately. We will write and pretty much get most of the song done before presenting it to anybody else. You know, I'll, I'll usually. I usually play a song from them once I'm pretty close to being done with it, mm. you know, and, and, and she's, she'll either, <laughs> she'll later listen and, 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 and know it. Or, or sometimes it's, sometimes it's just like, well, I don't know about that one. <laughs> like that, but, uh, but then there've been occasions where she didn't, she didn't like something initially. And then, you know, a month later, she said, Hey, where, what about that song that you played, uh, 
when they go da 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 whatever and and it's like, oh okay now they like that song <laughs> so uh so it's you know it's it's not the most I wouldn't say it's this it's this perfect process where you know we have this idea and I run it through her and then she adds on it and does this and this and everything you know we we're in perfect sync of everything you know it's a, it, it's a treacherous process you know and you you have you have to play your idea for someone initially <laughs> you know and it's and you're not going to get you know the feedback that you that you hope sometimes and uh and at that point you have to decide whether you still believe in your ideas strong enough or, or whether you trust the people you work with enough that it, it's, that it's a dead end you know i sort of imagine like a, a married couple whenever i hear a married couple as a songwriting team i just picture them in the living room with guitars almost like this romanticized version of it <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's not exactly. yeah it's most yeah it's usually a lot of lonely a lot of lonely time and then some and then a little bit of time working together <laughs> rehearsing and finishing and stuff but uh, no i i don't know i i think uh i think people have to do that i think songwriting is so intimate and so so personal sure. the, you know no matter how close you are with one other person you, you still have to kind of you kind of have to find it yourself. You have to find find your your light in it first before you can before you can kind of open it up to someone else. Even you know, even someone you love and that you feel feel pretty warm with. You know. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you've worked with some incredible producers, uh, Steve Albini, uh, Dave Friedman, and and of course, being a Wilco fan, I was ecstatic uh, when Jeff. Tweedy produced your last record, which included some of my favorite songs of yours to date. And uh, I, I imagine each experience is different, but uh, I'm curious for the new record, what did you consciously sort of set out to do, if anything, to kind of change things up at all? We, yeah, I remember, I remember after doing Invisible Way, I could kind of tell just from experience, kind of the way we swing back and forth a little bit, I could kind of tell that we were we kind of reached a certain point with, with the trajectory we were at and with that record. And, and I could tell, you know, my, my tendencies were starting to kind of lean back towards more dissonant and more, more noise, um, more sort of desperation. And, and, uh, some of the first songs that we wrote also kind of indicated that, you know, just immediately were more, more dissonant, more, more, more desperate songs, I guess, more, uh, I don't know, I don't know, demanding, I don't, want, I don't know if that's the right word, but sort of songs that sort of, they weren't, they weren't so much sitting in the living room, <laughs> songs a little, a little more aggressive, a little more grabbing at the throat kind of thing, and, and uh, so I don't know, I guess at that, at that point, then just, you kind of just, just open up your universe to what, what needs to be the right thing to happen, and, and it turns out that uh, really actually right when we went out to tour uh when it's when uh invisible way came out uh, we had gotten a call from uh bj burton who's an engineer at uh, april base which is the studio we worked at and he i don't know he just contacted and say hey we're big fans here if you if you want to come check out the studio sometime you know swing by and, and we'd love to give you a tour and, and uh <clears throat> so I don't know. I, 
I knew Justin Vernon kind of slightly before then, so so I guess that it was sort of a oh okay cool we'll go see go see Justin and check out his studio and uh, yeah so so we went there but but the guy that invited us yeah BJ um, I don't know I, I could tell right away that he kind of he he had some ideas he he had worked we had done this. Uh, this live video thing for Pitchfork where we'd played um, um, uh, Clarence White from Invisible Way. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, did this live thing for Pitchfork, and, and he, he had mixed it. And I thought the mix that he did was really, was really cool. It was really intense and loud and kind of bombastic and blown out. And so that was sort of on my radar. And then a few months later, um, I got asked to work with this band called Trample by Turtles, who were who are from here and they're, well, they're, they're kind of big. They're, they're pretty big, like bluegrass, new, new bluegrass band. They, they play like red rocks and shit like that. <laughs> anyway, they asked if I'd help produce a record and, and BJ ended up being the engineer on it. So we did this project together and basically got to know each other there, which said play stuff for each other and, you know, stuff that he'd worked on, stuff that I was working on. And, and it pretty much, pretty much sealed it then. And, I don't know. I could just tell he was he was bold and he he, he was a fan of us, and I could just kind of tell the way he was talking about things that that he he could see sort of some new new levels of intensity and sort of some possibilities with technology with us, which which then um, you know, and then me hearing what he'd been working on, I think it, you know, especially some of the hip hop stuff he'd work, he was working on, I just kind of knew like, okay, there's this guy's going to have a pretty, a pretty amazing angle on what we're doing. I mean, if he's, if he does this and he's interested in working with us, then something, something intense is going to happen. So, so that was sort of, that was sort of my, my reasoning with working with him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those are important decisions, you know, like where you work and who you work with, you know, I mean, it's one thing to write the stuff and be who you are and be ready and, and, and go to make a record. But, you know, I mean, having having a situation and where, you know, you're going to be inspired and then, you know, working with someone who you trust and you, you, you like, you already like decisions that they make artistically, you know, it, that's a really, that's a really powerful thing in it, you know, it, if anything, it, it it creates a confidence that I think I think makes better records. From what I'm gathering, this new record might harken back a little bit to something like uh, Drums and Guns because uh, if there's some you know experimentation and intensity. I mean, I, I get that impression from the the first single that I've heard, No Comprende, that it's right, a little yeah. bit more intense and, and a little droney, and I think the chord progression is pretty pretty spectacular. So interested in the thematic content of the lyrics, if there's 
any particular theme or feeling you were hoping to capture, or was it just another kind of organic process of whatever you were experiencing at the time of writing the songs? Well, it's definitely more of an organic thing. I mean, I, I never, I never sit down and go, okay, I want to write a song about this or what right. I song about how I feel or this ex- thing that happened to me yesterday or whatever. Um, but I've learned to trust that that stuff comes, does come out. I mean, if you just sit down and, and let that, let your subconscious or whatever it is that's those, that kicks out those first initial ideas, if you let that go and do what it needs to do, it's, it's going to, it's going to reflect what, what's going on, you know? And, and, it, and the thing is that that reflection is probably going to be a lot more accurate and more, and more interesting than, than if you planned it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like, wow, how can I, you know, well, I'm trying to figure out the words to express how confused I am about this <laughs> or, you know, and, and you, you know, I don't, at least me, I don't, I don't work that way. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't enter to the enter the room that way, you know. I have to kind of come through the window. And yeah, there's 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 political things, uh, but then it's also personal. I, I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day, and sort of like, you know, it seems like wow, these things are two opposite ends. You know, you get this very public, you know, like, you know, this this thing shouldn't be happening, or this feeling like, hey, wait a minute, we're not, you know, the world's too violent, or you know, this, you know, or ongoing war. But at the same time. Those same the same language sometimes is used in very very personal, you know, relationship stuff. Whether it's you know confusion or or or, or uh, you know even even mental violence. You know, you know, just just I, I don't know. So a lot of times I've a lot of times I notice that the songs that are one extreme are also speaking about the other extreme at the same time. You know. Yeah, because I mean, I sometimes think like the you know if you the macro is just automatically it links back to the micro level of things you know and right. when you sort of look at the big picture, it, it affects you on a personal level and I think that you know right. as a songwriter that's it's inevitable your environment is going to affect right. the internal so right yeah right. And I mean, you can't you can't talk about you can't talk about the violence of our government without without also acknowledging the violence of, of ourselves, you know, it's like, you know, no, the, the reason, the reason, the reason humanity is capable of this is because you are capable of this and I am capable of this and, and, and that kind of thing. It, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess I've, I've, I find, yeah, like I said, I just, I find a lot of time the language is, is speaking about both of those things at the same time. And, uh, yeah, and, and like I said, I mean, it, it definitely, this, this newer record kind of, you know, in, in a lot of ways that drums and guns kind of dealt with that. And then the disjunctness, you know, some of the electronic elements and, you know, there's, there's definitely some fragmentation and, and sort of dissonance going on that, that, that would be similar to some things going on in drums and guns. Your songs often feel very cinematic and you know I'm, I'm a huge movie fan I can't help but ask almost every musician um, if there are any inspirations for you in terms of a movie or a series of movies or just anything visual that really like makes you run over to the guitar after you see it and I'm also curious to know 
how you felt about the fact that there is a movie called <laughs> Things We Lost in the Fire. Right. I hadn't seen it, but uh, I thought that was... No, really I haven't... Yeah, I haven't seen it. There's... Someone... I remember when it first came out, some people emailed me and said, hey, did you hear that? I don't know. I, didn't, I, didn't, I guess I didn't at the time really look into it too much, but yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily an aficionado with movies, but the idea of things being the cinematic sense of, of things, you know, I, I, I always, I, I guess I, I feel like the part of my brain that, that's experiencing visual kind of interaction it, it is, is on when I'm thinking about music. You know, the, there's a, a lot of the way, a lot of the way I see movement in, in music you know, look, you know, in my brain, it's, it's more like a visual thing. And, it, you know, it's a lot of minimalism there, you know, kind of the way light moves, um, the simple movement of a body, you know, those kinds, these kinds of things, uh, trajectory too. I'm always thinking of like, where, what is the trajectory of this? Where does this begin or where does it end and how, how does it how does it move through that? Where do you see the movement? Where, what does the movement take you? You know, and what, you know, what texture does that move? You know, to me, it's, 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 it's very visual in my mind. You know, I bring friends. When I listen to music, when I, I think with sound, that's amazing. Cause every time I hear sound, I'm, I'm immediately picturing it. And it's, 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 it's a structure. It's, it's architecture to me, you know? And, uh, and uh, in film is architecture, you know. I mean, it's 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 very much you know there's so, so many so much other so many other dimensions to it other than just sort of flatness. I, I don't know, just but um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the slowness of it, maybe the the drama. I think the fact that it's always something pretty serious, and we're we're very. Usually we're very specific where things go, you know, it's, it's very meticulous about like, okay, well, this goes here. There's not a lot of, not a lot of extra, you know, very, I don't know. I think there's something cinematic about that. I think, you know, being very pointed with where, what you want this to do and accomplish and, 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 and how it, how it moves through time. Yeah. I get, I get that impression and, in some ways, like there are you know plenty of filmmakers that are especially lately too, like a filmmaker like Kelly Reichardt, she does these very sort of sparse and minimal um, films mm-hmm. with you know very little dialogue and focusing on the visual component and sometimes I always think, you know what a low score would really complement this movie. <laughs> so you guys should definitely uh, oh we'd love to. We, yeah, we want, we want to, we're always kind of, it's almost kind of like a half serious, half joking thing with us. We're just kind of always like, wow, when are we, when is someone going to come up and hire us to do a sound, soundtrack so that we can, so that we can t- take a break for a year? <laughs> One of the joys of seeing that uh, documentary Tarnation was how um, your songs were utilized in there. Yeah. Yeah, that was really intense and very nice. That guy really... I got a really, really did a beautiful thing there. He's, sure did. He's, yeah, he's an interesting guy. We met him, met him a few years ago. And, yeah, I hope he's doing good now. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, I was just going to ask to um, before wrapping things up about the. Uh, I mean, which do you prefer in terms of the? Like, I, I'm guessing most musicians would feel this way that they're almost equated. Like the recording process and then playing it live, they're two joys on different levels. Sure. Is yeah. there one that you particularly enjoy more, and is there something um, different? that you try to do to get out of your comfort zone when playing live at all, or is it just a matter of finding new pedals? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, I, I think, I think I probably would just have to slightly lean towards playing live just because that's yeah. been, that's been so the basis of the band, you know, I mean, we, 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 we built the band, the whole idea of the band was the concept of, wow, what would it be like to play these two or three really slow, quiet songs in front of people? You know that that would that's that's what the band is. You know, to me, it's it's, it's like we're we're playing this stuff in front of people. That's that's what that's when low happens. You know, and and you know, making making records. You know, obviously, sort of a different thing. It's more of a controlled thing. It's not as personal. You know, you're we've, we we depend on other people for that process. You know, whether it's whether it's just expertise or even, you know, style or, or vibe, you know, and we, we depend on that for, for recordings, as, you know, and, and, uh, luckily I, I feel like we've been really lucky over the years that we have always found a situation that was, that was exciting and that sort of inspired us and, and pushed us and helped us grow, you know? Uh, so, so that's, you know that's that's been lucky, and I I feel like, you know, I feel like we've, despite ourselves, have made some pretty, you know, made some records better than I thought we we would. You know, we we went beyond ourselves with with some with records. I mean, you know, I don't like like I said, I think just being able to work with other people that that have those abilities to, yeah, I don't. I'm not trying. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but. Um, but yeah, live is something about, you know, it's, it's, it's just you, it's just you up there. And if, if it works, it works and, 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 and you've been able to pull it off, but, um, and I don't know, I think as much as I loved listening to music when I was a kid, you know, and, and, you know, and, and that was sort of the initial thing that made me interested in music is hearing it, obviously, but to me, the really, the real exciting thing was actually going and seeing people play it. You know, when I, you know, seeing my first, first few punk shows when I was a teenager, just to me, it was, was like going to the moon, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was life changing and it made, you know, it, it was the most alive I'd ever felt, you know, it just kind of like, I can't, you know, I can't believe that, you know, I, I knew, you know, it's like, <laughs> I knew that life could be lived this way, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I just, you know, kind of, kind of, but so, so I guess to me, that's maybe for, for a few reasons, I guess, you know, to me, live, live just is, is that much more of a, a sacred act, you know? Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's hard work and you can't do it forever, but you know, but I, I, I've, 
those moments of playing and even sitting in the van driving somewhere. I mean, those those moments have basically made my life, and and then those have been some of the greatest the greatest gifts. You know, being able to do that, be on stage with the person I love the most. You know, and, and working together to do do something like that is is, is pretty pretty priceless. Yeah, I, I definitely sense that when whenever I've seen you guys play live, like there's a, a real catharsis taking place. Um, and I truly, truly hope, uh, I know you can't do this forever, but I hope you continue to make music for as long as humanly possible. Listening to any number of albums has been like therapy for me. I've struggled with depression, and especially in the past couple of years, I can't tell you how listening to The Invisible Way helped me and my best friend and roommate at the time cope with sort of a breakdown. And uh, just wow, making I'm... stop was like an anthem for us. So it really helped. Wow. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Thank, thanks, man. No, I, I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 know, I know making music is different times when I really feel like it's 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 saved my life you know and and I know that and, and, and sometimes other people's music has done the same for me and I, I guess they're you know sometimes I'll write stuff and I'll think wow you know I wonder if this will ever resonate with anybody that sort of has the same experience and I, I appreciate you saying so because I, I, I as far as I'm concerned is if, if, it, if it works that way then I guess it doesn't matter how many people have listened to it because it's just I don't know. I don't, I'm not articulating it very well, but um, yeah, I, but I understand. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate you telling me because I'm, I'm honored and humbled that I was you know, that our music was part of your life. You think it was a tough part? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I I'm glad that I'm in a better place, and you know, from what I hear, you're certainly in in a better place because I know you've had. Some oh yeah, it comes and goes. It's, it gets worse. Sure. Until, you know, there's definitely times when it's worse. And you know how that is. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's you're not just suddenly over it. It, it. it comes and goes, and sometimes better than others. But I greatly appreciate you taking some time out to talk with me, Alan. And I and I can't wait to see you guys play in Chicago in about a month. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. And I suppose by then, okay. Hear, hear the whole thing and stuff and can get a better picture of the whole record and everything. All right, well, cool, man. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks yeah, a lot, well, Alan. Take care. Right, Bye-bye. Peace.